What are you saying, ladies and gents? It is your boy, Bucket Hat Sam. And yes, we are back again for episode six of Bucket Hat Sam Talks Ball. And we've got Mike on again. He's, he's here all the time now. He's basically a permanent resident. And I said it last week, and I promise you, I'm going to give you a Bucket Hat. You can, you, well, you've got one yourself, surely. You've been a massive if you, want fan. Me to, if you want me to wear it next time, I can. Next time, because you know what? I made a joke about it last week, and I actually did have a few messages of people saying, send Mike a Bucket Hat. Like I genuinely did. So I, I apologize. I I will show do you. Know what? I will show you after. I have got a couple of messages where people have said he'd look good in one, but let's not boost your ego a bit. But. I, I'd look good in my swings, but <laughs> <laughs> but no, we've got loads of stuff to talk about, loads of football stuff. But I want to start off again, as we keep saying, let's get to know each other. I say not we know each other, as in let the audience get to know us a bit. Mike, what is the best ground you've ever been to? Straight in there. It's got to be the Emirates, of course. The home of football. <laughs> no, no. Um, probably the new camp. Haven't been for a game, but even just like going and walking around the place, it's just it's different to anything we've got here in England. And like it stands alone in Europe as for like the sheer size of that stadium is just ridiculous. You don't realise until you stood on the pitch and you look up. It's just enormous. I was going to say, I've done the tour of it as well a few years yeah, back. And I remember, I remember being absolutely blown away by it, thinking I can imagine the atmosphere in here would be absolutely unreal. We do need to do that. I feel like that should be on the list of a ground we need to do. We should, we should do them. We should do, we need to create just a big list because I've, I've got hundreds I want to do. The more I look into it, the more you research, you find some really obscure ones. I think it's, is it, I think it's Braga is the one I really, really want to go to. I've never yeah, been that looks to. Yeah, good. The one with the mat. So one of my mates, obviously, when balls went on that European tour, we don't need to talk about that really in depth because they'll be too pleased about the fact they're getting mentioned. But with the mountain built into the side, it does look absolutely unreal. But that that's that's one I want to go to. But the best ground I've been to, I, and this is not. I like the Emirates. It's up there. I do really like the Emirates, and it's probably just because of the comfy seats. And I always joke about it. I just love the seats. I don't. I'm not all for sitting down at football games. I like standing up. But it's the only it's game. So where, comfy. You, just, t- you can't resist. Uh, it's the only game I've been to as an away fan and people are actually actively sitting down and like choosing to sit down because it's just so nice and warm like I remember we lo- I've said to you before we lost 1-0 and it was one of my first ever away days on a weeknight and it was I think it's about 2007 2008 I think I did look into this we drew 1-1 no we lost 1-0 we got an early red card but the only thing I took from it not only was uh, Jerome Thomas slapping Jack Wilshere off the ball, it was how comfy them seats were. I love it. And, and we're going back soon. So I'm quite excited. I haven't been in ages and over a decade. I, I can't wait. I'm actually quite excited for that. I am quite excited. But that might, I'd probably say Besiktas was probably my, not not Besiktas, Benfica. Besiktas. I didn't see, you need to say that, Benfica. I, I, was I wouldn't want to go to the Besiktas stadium. You'd that's not what I meant. Head. I was going to say that wasn't what I was trying to say. I was trying to say Benfica. I was chatting to somebody earlier today about Sitas Ground, but no, Benfica. It, Benfica's ground was actually built and they basically styled it upon Emirates. The way they've built it, they've tried to take what is good about the Emirates and kind of improve it. And I thought it was great, really good ground. And I think they're sponsored by Superbock. So they've got Superbock for really cheap outside. Yeah, and it was oh, the beautiful beer. Oh, the beer was lovely. It was really nice. I'm all for it. And you could have it in the ground. You could take it up the seats, which is what I'm all about. You can drink in the ground. It's amazing. You can't beat it. No. Well, okay, then. I've already answered what ground I want to go to with my Braga shout. What, how about you? Is there any grounds that you want to do? There's one that I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I've always, always just had a pull to it. Um, and it's at La Bombonera, the Boca Stadium. I think that's right. Mate, and it I, just I, looks... I yes. don't know how I'm going to get to... Argentina or whatever but it looks amazing and like the atmosphere in there when they've got all like these stringy banners going across and like it just looks like nothing you could ever imagine in a football stadium really I I completely agree with you I've said it for ages I would love the dream would be doing a football tour of South America there is actually a channel I'm watching currently there's guys who I've, I've met through online who's going through like Mexico and all these countries through South America into football grounds and the atmosphere at those games is absolutely unreal. Like it makes the English football like celebrations and fans and limbs just seem like absolutely nothing. They live for football. It's it, carnage, oh, isn't it? Oh, looks great. I I would love to to get 
that's the plan. Get a deal with a brand or something in the future, like a really long far down the future and just go on a tour and just I'll go missing for 10 months just watching football. We'll, we'll have the pod on tour. We'll go around. The pod on tour. <laughs> recording at all these different stadiums. Oh, but that would be class. Well, we can dream. We can dream. And I'm still waiting. We're still getting closer to that. How many was it? Three million subscribers. Then you'll dye your hair red and get the mohawk. Well, we're closer. We're probably about 15 subscribers closer. So we're knocking off the tally slowly. (laughs) We'll get there. We'll get there. (laughs) So if you haven't guys already, please subscribe because Mike said he'll get a red mohawk. So thank you guys. I appreciate it. But no, I want to go now right into the Premier League where we always talk about the sack race, it feels weird talking about this after there were so many sackings and it just died down. I feel like there's starting to be like a bit of a, a tremor in the old managerial sack race because we're starting to see some clubs form really starting to dip. And we're going to start off with Everton, Rafa Benitez. I'll, I'll, I'll let you lead with this, mate. What what are you saying about it or what, you, what are your thoughts? It's a tricky one. I, I feel for Rafa in a way because... We know he's not a bad manager and his hand has been forced a bit by like the injuries. Obviously, losing Calvert-Lewin, your best player, and he's so influential for them, the goals he gets, and just his general hold-up play. Not having that and not having Richarlison after the season. And they actually started quite well, didn't they? Well, they were right up there in like third. Oh, yeah. Yeah, at one point. They, the form they had, when it was that, when they had that those was, two, wasn't it? And that was with even the depleted squad then. So then... You thought the Rafa Benitez thing after the not very warm reception he got, you think, oh, maybe they'll take to him a bit. And then since then, is it five five losses out of six? Yeah, they've not yeah, they've lost five in the last six, yeah, and they're now six points off the relegation. And you can see the fans have started to turn. It, it just doesn't bode well. When he's got that Liverpool connection, there, there was doubts at the start of the season. It's just not a good look. And you question how long it can last but I don't feel like it's Rafa's fault but he's probably he's the one that will get the blame because who else can it be really I was going to say you can't you can't really that you, you can blame the players but the players never seem to get blamed in this in these situations it's always the managers that get get sad I do as he said completely with uh, Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison they have been very unlucky with that but again I look at the squad and I don't think it's that strong I look at it when I was comparing it man for man. I think they've got some good, some very good players. But I think, like for example, like Luca Dina, I don't think has had the best season. He's not been playing no, too yeah. well. A lot of players have dipped in form that previously were unreal. If you know what I'm trying to say there. But yes, Zahar and uh, so not Zahar, um, Townsend and Damari Gray. Sorry, uh, them two have been absolutely brilliant. But. It's crazy that they're relying on players like that, that they spent two and a half million on the two of them when they've got players like Alex Iwobi. I know you probably, you're glad he's got a mention because you're still probably thinking about all that cash Arsenal got for him. But they're turning to players that players they shouldn't really be turning to. They've got some good players in that squad and they've just signed, they've kind of really gone missing. They're not the players they used to be. I don't know if they have got that, that, that many good players though. Like, obviously, they've been without Calvert Lewis and for a team as big as Everton, with the stature that Everton have, for their, if Richarlison is not there, who doesn't play number nine anyway, if their only backup is a 47-year-old Salomon Rondon. Super Rondon. I know, I know a lot of the baggage fans have got attachment to him, <laughs> but he's just not a Premier League player anymore. He's, like, he's a million miles off the pace. I don't know what he does. I don't know what he contributes. And to have to rely on someone like that, that's where I feel sorry for Rafa because what other options have they got? But you know, Rafa did. Rafa did pick him. Rafa took him. Obviously, yeah. he, he took him to Newcastle. He took. He took it with him. I think. I'm pretty sure he took him to China, didn't they? When he went to manage in China, I'm pretty sure he took him there. That's where West Brom sold him to. But I do get what you mean. Rondon obviously has been a West Brom fan. He was brilliant in his prime, but he's not. I say his prime. He was never really at his prime, was he? I'm exaggerating that. In, Pul- in the Pulis era, yeah, he was a good player. Six goals a season, <laughs> set pieces. It's prime. That was prime for as a West Brom fan. That's a prime. That's a striker in their prime. But no, I do feel for him in that sense. But then they've bought. They've bought in the summer, but they just didn't spend much, which surprised me because recently in previous years, when you look back, their transfer policy was spend so, big. I've gone in and looked. At- Everything's oh, spending. Because Ooh, a bit of press. This is where I feel a bit sorry for Rafa, but this, 
the club needs to be run better. So over the past seven seasons, they have spent £568 million. Jeez. And like you look at their squad, and what have they got to show for it, really, other than Richarlison? Oh, I've got some of the like the names and the, the fees here, and it's just ridiculous. It won't be 27 mil. It, whoever, like, we bit their hand off as soon as they were interested in him. Oh, Jesus, remember... Ibani, yeah, 22 mil, has played about six games for them. Oh, yeah, you oh. don't see much of him. He's never really it, had a shout out of him. Sigurdsson, 45 mil. Like, we don't, obviously, we don't know what's going on with him at the moment. I was going to say, just be careful what but, we say on there. <laughs> but 45 mil was steep, even when it was like three or four years ago. Yeah, when he was playing, yeah. Davy Classen, 25 million. Who? And he was gone. Yeah, he went instantly, didn't he? He lasted literally. He was that was in the Kuman era. That was when uh, Ronald Kuman came in and he bought loads of sentiments. Like the names are just terrible. Like none of them have contributed anything. Theo Walcott, Morgan Schneiderlin, yeah. and Cenk Tursun were twenty million each, and like yeah. they're, they're just gone out of the squad straight away. So like the recruitment there is awful. There's something wrong about like the way the club's being run because it just doesn't seem right. They haven't had a, like a fit with a manager and like the hierarchy for, for quite a while, probably since Martinez was there. Yeah. But I, it goes back to this thing that I always joke about every week. I always seem to end up coming back to it and saying, it's the big picture. It's a long-term project. I don't look at Everton and see the plan. The, the transfer, as you said, no. the transfer policies all over the place. You mentioned players there who were aging as it is, or they didn't fit a style. You don't look at Everton. And obviously, you know what Rafa Benitez is going to play. It's, it's very rigid. It's usually defensively solid. And it's a hard-to-beat team that do play some nice football. But you look at them now and look at them in recent years, the signings they've made, how do they fit any system? How, what, what, how can, I just don't get the, the big picture as I keep coming no, back to so it. There's don't no strategy want to do. there. It's just we'll, we'll see someone who looks half-decent somewhere else and we'll take a chance on him. Yeah. That, that's and about it. I'm not sure. And I, and I know, obviously, under uh, Martinez, when I think it was Europa League football at that time, and they, David Moyes, they had that, what for quite a long period of time, I remember when I was younger, they were always in that top half of the table pushing towards Europa League or in Europa League. They're a big, they are a big team. Moise doing Moise yeah. things. They, it was, <laughs> they were a Brit, they were, they are a huge club and they've just not hit the heights and they've kind of just thrown cash at it. And I don't, I think they need to step back and really just plan and start building something, give a manager some time as well because they go through managers like it's absolutely nothing. If you look at the amount of managers they've had in recent years, they don't back anyone. And as soon as what happens then is you, you back a manager, you give them money, they buy loads of players and you sack them and then the next manager doesn't want them. doesn't suit the one the that was probably frustrating for Everton fans is Ancelotti because he came in, he instantly like galvanised the club and everyone around it, got given a fair bit of money, saw some positive results and then it just faded throughout the season and then obviously Real Madrid come calling and, he, and he's off. And then that left them a bit shocked, a bit, we don't like, because I think he had a, a long-term contract. Oh yeah, it was a big just, contract. To, to leave after one year, James is on the on the books at God knows how much money and he just doesn't it, want to play anymore. Well, he's, he's somewhere else, there. isn't he? Isn't he? Isn't he? I thought he'd left. I, I, I might but be I wrong. I, just... still, I think he's still under contract. Like, oh, is it? I, I don't think he's playing for anyone else. Oh, I thought he'd gone. To be honest, I'd completely forgotten about him until very recently. He was one like, of those players. At the start that... of last season, it, it looked great for them, didn't it? Like when he yeah. was in form and... With Richarlison Calvert- and Calvert-Lewin. Yeah. yeah, they looked very strong. With Allen behind as well and Decore. Yeah, so, then, so there was positive signs there. And then obviously Ancelotti goes and it's all... Obviously they couldn't have planned for that. So that's... It's hard for them as a club and the fans to then like move on and they're... Rafa was a bit of a panic decision. Obviously, there's the Liverpool link, so the fan base was never going to welcome him. Yeah, no, it I agree. Was just, it was always a bit going to be tainted, really. The kind of players I do like, though, is like the Allen signing and the Decore signing. I think them two are really st- strong, good players. Decore, I think he's still injured, isn't he? He's been out for a while now. I'm pretty he sure. Played, right? Oh, he did he start come back? Yeah, oh, did he back. come back? Yeah, because I think he was a huge miss because I didn't realise... He was providing a lot of assists and goals and defensively, box to box, he gave you so much energy. So he's a player I do think they've been unlucky to miss. And maybe Rafa Benitez might be able to turn it around when they've got their injuries coming back. But he's putting a lot of pressure on himself because he does need results fast with that with the, the likes of Norwich starting to pick up form and 
I say Norwich, but yeah, you know what I mean. They are, they have picked up form really. They've got, Dean Smith has kind of galvanised them. There's a few teams like Villa have got two wins there yeah. instantly climbing up the table. Yeah, so that, that that bottom part now of the table, your likes of Norwich, your Watford, your Newcastle, Burnley, Leeds, and Southampton, all in that, I think it's about six, seven points gap between all of them. It's not looking nice. Everton should not be in that mix. Everton should be a lot higher, especially when you've spoken about the amount they've spent. They cannot. I know, obviously, spending money doesn't just mean you will get results, but it, it, it adds the pressure that you should be getting results. So really, it shouldn't be a discussion, but I would be worried if I was him because... You saw the reaction of the fans. I think ultimately the squad is far too good to go down. Like if you look oh, at yeah. the teams around them, like it's a top half Premier League squad. They just need Calvert Lewin fit, and I think that would change everything. It would change the but, whole dynamic. Yeah, I agree. But a, a club like Everton shouldn't just have to rely on one striker. No. Like they should be in a situation where they have backup players, or even you know what I'm trying to say, just backup players in all positions because they seem to, if one player yeah, drops yeah. out, the next player who comes in, it just, just doesn't look right. Is it Anthony Gordon though? Is that right? I've got that right. Yeah, he looks One he looks player, he looks good. He looks good. It's good to see a bit of youth coming through, but it doesn't help when they're not playing well really, does it? Because it's not really going to shine too brightly. But I saw Everton fans were extremely frustrated. I saw the clips. If you haven't seen them on Twitter already, guys, go check it out. They were not happy with the players and giving them a lot of stick at the end of the game. And you can see this toxic environment is starting to really build. And that doesn't help any team because it, they need the backing of the fans. And I get why they're frustrated, but it just piles again, more pressure and more pressure and more pressure. I think the, I think the frustration is like sometimes you don't get results and that's fine, but it's the manner in which these defeats have come about. Oh yeah, no, I agree. Benitez has set them up to sit so deep and soak up all this pressure. If you concede one, then your game plans out the window. And that, that's how they've set up for all these games. It's just deep, deep, deep defend. And it looks terrible. Like, if you're a fan watching, it looks like you're just you're setting up every game for a draw. Like, it must no, be so demoralising going and spending can... your money and watching, well, you probably know all too well. I was going to say, I can, I can speak from experience. I remember I had this for about two seasons, and this is why... I dropped my season ticket as a fan at West Brom. This came around my time of my GCSEs. I, I needed more time to revision and I wasn't enjoying the football. So that's when I got rid of my season ticket. So I only know exactly how Everton fans are feeling. It is not nice. It, it's one thing losing, as I said, but if, if you're playing not good, if you're playing awful football, you don't even like seeing the draws. When you do occasionally get the result, it it, it doesn't seem nice. You're just like, you know, I don't, I don't think we deserve it at all, but... Now, I, hopefully, I do like Rafa as a manager. I like his interviews. I think he's a great manager, and I do hope he does well. But I, I do think at the moment, I'd currently say he is probably the favourite for the sack race. Yeah, so he's leading good. the way at the moment. I think following in second at the moment, I say following in second, this could be a discussion because there are a couple of managers who are, I can never see them getting sacked, but they're restarting. You can see there's starting to be a bit of unrest behind the scenes. A lot of fans are starting to get on his back. Marco Bielsa at Leeds. I can't believe I'm saying this, but the way they've got off to this season, the start they've had is awful. They've won two games all season. We're quite far into the season. You look at last season, how well they started and they came out of the blocks. Is this is this a second season syndrome? What, what, what would you describe it as? What? I think it is. And I think it was obvious to see that this was coming from Leeds because towards the end of last season, you started to see that teams could figure them out tactically. They could let them go gung-ho, all guns blazing for a, a period, probably the first half. And if they can weather that, then they know they're going to tire. And you can yeah. see like you, you can see the game plans people put in place for Leeds later in the season. They struggled to get results. And then, so second season syndrome is a thing. Combined with people starting to figure Leeds out, they haven't got a plan B of playing a different way because Bielsa has just drilled this into them just run 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 and th th they don't have a plan B that's all they know so I think it was easy to see coming the recruitment what they've got Dan James in Great. yeah and the junior Furpo they've got they've signed a few players but, but like I, think... I mean you look at the defence you're still starting Liam Cooper so it's not when you're trying yeah. to push on in the Premier League it's not really and the players like Luke Ayling as good as he was is he really good enough to progress? But they're not in a position to progress yet. That's why they've got to solidify themselves. Yeah. And I think a lot of it comes back to, similar with Everton, with the Bamford injury, with Bamford yeah. being out for so long, it, 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 the goals just, they, they, don't, they don't score. 
And that's the thing with Leeds before last season, it was them scoring non-stop and them attacking and creating loads of chances. But yes, Bamford didn't take a lot of the chances. He does miss a lot and he does get a lot of stick for it. But they've got no one else who seems to be putting the ball away. Rafinha got off to a bit of a, he had a bit of a dry patch, obviously in recent weeks and recently last month or so, we are starting to see the player that he was. But he got off to a dry patch. And when you're two men, you're two, two talisman, haven't got off to a start it's difficult to create anything especially when you are based on scoring goals and attacking and if you if you don't do that what have you got going for you they're quite defensively um vulnerable a lot of the times because they do go so far forward and obviously the man-to-man system it will tire and I think at times like this I do worry for Bielsa coming into this um December time and January time when the games are coming thick and fast we'll occasionally get the double game weeks like we see this week where you've got games coming in at midweek and things like that coming up to January time this is the worst time, I think, with Leeds not having form. If they're playing with this amount of energy, thick and fast every single week, maybe even twice a week, I worry for them and I worry for Marco Bielsa. But then I don't know whether because of his I stature and what everyone them. sees I him as, see I can't see them Bielsa. sacking him either. But I think it, it's a discussion because I think in a couple of weeks' time, maybe a few weeks' time, I think there may potentially be a lot more pressure on them. Because I do I worry because they are not... I think you'd have to get pretty desperate for them to actually sack him. Like they are in the bottom three with yeah. so many games remaining. I can't well, see them if if they're floating above and hovering. I think they're, they're going to back him, aren't they? Well, I think at the moment they're three points off the drop zone, and they've only won one in six. So I I think like it, it's it's not the best of runs, and they they are struggling. You've just got to hope that Norwich and all these other clubs, if you're a Bielsa. Don't carry on this form because they need to find their feet soon. And you, it's it's a lot nicer. Obviously, this is really statement the obvious. But if you're starting to fall behind and constantly think, oh, we've got enough time to pick up form. We've got enough time. And next thing you know, you're falling down the table fast and then you're getting down low. But is there anything else you'd like to add about that with Marco Bielsa? Because I don't, I think what we've said is enough, really. I think it's, it, it'll be interesting to see. I think this is a yeah. proper discussion I, in I a think few weeks' time. Enough. I think I a few weeks' time. I can't see Leeds sacking him just because of what he's done and like the like the image Leeds fans have built up about him. Like he, he's loved there, and I think he always will be. So I, I can't see unless it was really, really bad. Where uh, maybe towards the end of the season, if they've yeah, if they're not, still floating around there, yeah, six, seven games left, maybe they'll take a chance. But I'm not sure. I think with him, it, it's going to slowly segment into our next and final club of the decision of the, the, the sack race. Um, like with Rafa Benitez, when he left Newcastle, the fans haven't been happy since Rafa's gone with managerial appointments. But obviously, they've got an Eddie Howe, his first two games. I'm not saying for a second he's in the sack race. Don't don't like jump on me before I'm saying it. Two games in, I'm not calling for the sack. But can you see Newcastle with the new um, way they're going forward and long-term project with the money they're trying to invest? The, that, do you think they're starting to worry with the fact that they haven't had this bounce back we all thought they would? I know they obviously got a draw. I think it's far too early to worry. They've got a draw, they got a draw against Brentford when Eddie Howe wasn't even in the stadium. And yeah. then they face, they face Arsenal when you're not expected to get a result and it's his first game in charge. So, no, I don't think there's time to yeah. hit, hit the panic button yet. I think you've... You've got to give a manager games like before. Oh, you no, talk about I'm not. This. Don't worry, I'm not. I'm just saying, potentially in a week's time, by Saturday, not even in a week. No, no, no by, by Saturday, they'll have played the other two, the other two teams in the drop zone currently with them. They're playing against Burnley and Norwich. I don't know if it, no, it's Norwich, then Burnley, and yeah. who are both three points ahead of them. This is huge for him. And I, I feel for him that these games have come so early, but at the same time, this is their moment. If they're going to get this momentum and start building something, they need to do it now. So I, this this is going to be huge for Newcastle and Eddie Howe because I'm, this could affect them in the long term as well so much. Because if they are going to invest all this money, this, I think, is the moment where they will start something. And we'll look back at this if they've got two wins in years to come when they do potentially become this powerhouse or push them up the table. And this was the time when, they really needed a manager to come in and do something, and Eddie Howe did. So who knows? But I think this is huge for Newcastle. This week of football is massive. I think in the two games, they've shown because of Eddie Howe's input, they have shown a lot more attacking, like effort and will to go forward. Like they scored three goals. How often have we seen Newcastle do that? No, no, for and ages. Against, 
even against us, they were trying to get bodies forward, like trying to get people in support of Wilson. So I think a bit more time on the training ground, I think they will they'll get a result from those two. Yeah, I just hope he just stays and does focus on the defence, because especially in that Brentford game, there was a lot of errors in that Brentford oh, game. Yeah. There was a lot the of mistakes. The defence is not good enough, and that's something that they really need to focus on, because whether they're in a rele- relegation battle or not, defence is, is huge for you when you're in those battles. Again, as I said, as a West Brom fan, I've seen it for many years. You need to build on that defence, and they look quite poor defensively at the moment. I'm going to throw something at you. Oh, here we go. I know you love your Burnley, but it's not looking good for them at the moment. And you, you know said what? I had purposely. I purposely not talked about Burnley, really. Well, I purposely hadn't brought up Burnley because I hadn't written them on my list, but I knew you were going to talk about it. So they've you know got what? a game in hand on everyone, but they're just not performing. They're not scoring particularly. They got they're, three against uh, Palace, but this is the Burnley way. This doesn't feel like the Burnley of previous where they were grinding out results. And, but I don't know, you know. At the start of every season, this happens. I and mean, then we all get, have this discussion around Christmas time. Is this the year they the don't stay? Zone. But they're usually in and around this area. But they've got, they've got, as I said, they've got to play uh, Newcastle on the weekend. If they get a win against Newcastle, they're out the drop zone, I think, on goal difference or potentially with the way it falls. Yeah, yeah they are. Literally one win and they're out the drop zone. And then in a couple of weeks' time, they could have got a draw here and there. And next thing you know, they're out of it. I back Burnley. I know that's completely against what well, I just said about Newcastle. If, if Newcastle win, they're level on points with them. And you said all that about Newcastle. <laughs> They'd be level on points with Burnley. I know. This is where you actually see my biased opinion here, where... I don't know what it is about Burnley. It's just that team. It's that togetherness, that that system, the way they play. And against, say, a Newcastle side, which defensively have been quite poor in recent weeks, with the way they play, those early balls in constantly, peppering those crosses coming in. With the way Newcastle have been defending recently, I don't see how they can get a result. I don't know if you agree, but I think it's so difficult. If you cannot defend, you need to be organised. It's, to, I, you can't call clashes like that, can you? It's, it's literally a relegation. Well, I've point. just you, called you it. You don't know how they're going to... I've just called it. I'll say it again. Burnley will beat Newcastle. Is it at this Burnley? Again. I don't know. Is it? <laughs> it is, I think. There we go. That screams three points. Screams a Chris Wood goal and it screams a Dwight McNeil or a Charlie Taylor assist from that I'm going to go side. draw. Or even, but they've got Maxwell Cornet as well. Cornet, Cornet, however you want to say. Okay, well, do you know what? We can look back and we can either laugh at you or laugh at me. We know what's going to happen here. Burnley will go on out results. And that Sean Dyche is not in the sack race. No, I'm not it's saying not he's in the sack race. Well, to be honest, Eddie Howe was I'm going to throw Hassan Hootle. This again is, this is one that is a really they, interesting they, one. They're just getting battered. When they lose, they get They get battered. battered. Yeah, I know what and you mean. Like, that is not a good look. But the thing is, and they go, then they go on runs where they play absolutely unreal. And their high press football can sometimes get some absolutely like ridiculous results where you don't see them coming. They play some nice football, and I don't know. They're just really the peaks and troughs with them. The way they go up and down, their form yeah. dips in and out so much. I'd say they're just a very inconsistent side, and they're one again that I can't see them getting relegated. But I keep saying this about loads of teams. I don't really know. With all the t- when I think about who actually is going to get relegated, because there are so many teams where I think, can they? Can they not? It's like Watford. Watford again are already very inconsistent since Claudio Ranieri's come in. They've had some good results, but they've also had some really stinky results. Like this, for example, this weekend. But then the Man United game and the Everton game was huge. But then against Liverpool, they were awful. That's the thing. Again, it's up and down. There's no one really consistent at the bottom, really around that area. But obviously, they wouldn't be there if they're consistent. I know that's a real statement in the obvious, but I don't know. The more we talk about all these these teams in and around this relegation zone, the more it just confuses me, and I don't know what to make of it. Again, Southampton, they really they've got a squad in it that they shouldn't be around there. I don't think personally. But then they are every season. We say like they shouldn't be that squad, but every season they're around it. So yeah, they just have that little cushion, don't they? They are, they pick up just before yeah, the end of the season. I'm and not convinced on Hassan Hootel. I think yes, he'll get a few good, re- and they always start the season well. But I think if you're getting beat by five, six, seven goals every now and then. Uh, it's not good. Like, what was it when it was... Was it United beat them nine or was it six? Yeah, I can't... United beat them nine. I think Leicester beat them eight. 
Uh, was it something like that in the space? I just don't know how you can trust a manager like that if you. I remember because Ryan absolutely tanked. Yeah, Ryan Bertrand got the red card against Leicester, and I think a youngster got a red card against United. It was both early on red cards, and it just went to pot, and they just didn't sit back. They constantly just tried to press, and then they just rolled over and just allowed sides to do that. You shouldn't, as you said, you should not have that in your DNA of a side, no. and that's more. In the Premier League, like the, the standard of this league now, you shouldn't be get. There should not be any more than like a five goal. Buffer to yeah. the teams, really. You allow you allow really with Liverpool and Man City and Chelsea at the moment with the way those three are playing, you can kind of accept it with those three. But yeah, you shouldn't really be conceding that many against Man United or even against Leicester. With Leicester, their inconsistency. Brendan Rodgers again. I know they've they've had a good result this weekend, but Leicester have not started very well this year. They have not been up to standard. Uh-huh. But again, I, I can't see him getting sacked. No, you wouldn't. Kind of, we are just throwing in names now. We're just talking about managers. But let's move on then to, I can't believe we're talking about this, West Brom. Do you think West Brom are going to get promoted? Like, do you, no. I just want to hear, I don't, no. I'm, my, my dream is slowly fading. The candle you'll, is, finish, you'll finish third. Where we are now, yeah, we're currently eight points off. Yeah, Bournemouth Fulham are going to win it. Fulham are going to win it. We've seen, though, in recent weeks, Fulham have dipped in form. Bournemouth have dipped in form, but also West Brom have dipped in form. The top three have all dipped, but I think Fulham have been without Mitrovic for a few weeks. And as soon as Mitrovic isn't there, the goals have gone. I think Tim Ream popped up with one this week. Bournemouth have been troubled, like absolutely riddled with injuries. And this is the moment where, obviously, being a West Brom fan, I'm going to be slightly biased, but this is the moment where you were looking at it thinking, this is our chance. The two, the two sides who have been leading this race, leading the way, have dipped in form. We really should have stepped up, and we've shown we've literally shown absolutely nothing. This is because well, I watched your game on Friday. I know I got, I got you to watch it, and I feel bad to be honest. Um, I haven't apologised yet. Like, so there's, I'm sorry. There's, if the other two are dipping in form, there's your chance to go and set the bar for the weekend. Get three yeah. points, put them under a little bit of pressure. And uh, Forrest started the game well. Albion started to come into it, and then there's a the red card, but. No point did Albion really like just throw caution to the wind and think right three points here. It was just no, a no. bit safe. It was just a bit same. There wasn't that many. There was, the amount of times people got into the final third and there's just no one in the penalty box. Yeah, like, and then you bring you need, on Hugo, and yeah. we just need a striker. You're not going to win games if there's no one in the penalty box. You're not going to score, and then well, what's the point? No, I know. When you look at our top goal scorers, you need to. Go for it. You need midfielders breaking into the box. You need a target man. Which I think we did earlier on in the season when we had Alex Mowat and when it feels weird saying this, but Livermore was occasionally breaking forward. And this Malumbi who's come in has got it in him. I think he shows flickers of it, but then he stupid challenge on obviously on Friday getting a red card. But I think because they played the they play (laughs) very silly. But it's constant like if we keep playing this high energy football. You can't expect players to keep breaking through. Like we're not, we're not literally mixing up the squad. It's the same squad every is, single week. Is it high energy football? Well, it, it was. It was at the start of the season. It was like headless chickens. We press everything. There was energy. It was ridiculous. It was eleven players just pressing non-stop. And you've seen players like Alex Mowat, who've literally the only time he had a rest was when he got um, injured for a couple of games. But that everyone just looks tired, and I think they need a real re- reshuffle. And I know we won't invest in January, but if we're not going to get promoted with this squad, but I'd say that, but I've said it all season, we're going to get promoted. And I've got to, I've got to stick to my guns. My candle there is, is going, let's use my metaphor, there's a candle. The, the light is starting to flicker out. It's nearly, it's nearly dying, but it's still lit. It's still there, nearly there. And I'm still back in West Brom. So I'm still going to say we're going to get promoted. I, I'm going to try and stay hopeful, but... It's not ideal. It's not the best of situations to be in. Because when I looked at this season, I thought we quite easily would walk out of this league. Well, we should have. Because I thought Sheffield United were going to do it with us. And obviously, uh, Jakanovic has been sacked. That went all to pot. It didn't go well with them. And they've got a good squad again. He- uh, Paul Heckingbottom's come in for them. And you think when you look at that, surely then West Brom would be going for it with Bournemouth not having the strongest of squads. But we've missed our chance, I think. And it's starting to get me upset. So can we please move on? Because I will just start crying. I'm really yeah, sorry. It's not even like I can come back to you and laugh about Arsenal because you're playing nice football. You're playing well and it annoys me. I prefer if we either we're both doing awful 
or we're both doing amazing. So then we both can be on the same level because you're coming into this pod really happy, occasionally just dropping yeah. in about Arsenal. And then I don't even want to talk about West Brom. I just, yeah, look at me. I, I don't know what you want. I'm staying quiet. Thank you, mate. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. But tonight you mentioned it's the Ballon d'Or whilst we're recording this. So the players getting announced and things. By the time this goes out, the Ballon d'Or will have happened. We will, we will have seen. But at this point, just before we started recording, we saw Harry Kane was 23rd. And Gabriel Jesus, was it? And Jesus and Sterling are above Kane. Which, how on earth has that happened? Like, how? <laughs> I, I don't even know how to. I'd literally written Ballon d'Or. And then as we would literally just start to record, we were just quickly looking at the players coming in. How is this even a. Like, what is going on? Gabriel Jesus, how is he even in the discussion anyway? Like, yeah, it's a bit. There are bit 10 players ahead of him at Man City. But well, I don't even know what to say about that. There's not really much we can say about that. Who do you think, realistically, uh, your top three, the three favourites really at this time? And again, it's not really a discussion. It's Lewandowski, Jorginho. And I'm not having Jorginho in there. I'm not having this. Well, we can slander him. Who's your? I want in that order. I want to know what your top three because I think can it's the I same can as bin Jorginho off. Yeah, put him well, in the well, Jorginho well, is no matter what. Like we joke about it, but at the moment he's favourite. He's in the top three. Like considered according to the bookies and everything that's been leaked and things, he has made the top three. Which so is it, it's got to be in the top. Ballon d'Or. No, no, this is this top out three. those top. No, out those three. Who? What? In mm. what order? I feel like I feel Jorginho like Jorginho third. Yeah. Yeah, they don't want to speak about it anymore. Shouldn't even be in the top five, really. No, I agree. And then... Uh, mercy, mercy. I know, to be honest, I knew. He's got knew, to win. Yeah. Come on. He has to. The, and I think... We had all the slander about he hasn't won a major international tournament. And then he's he's carried Argentina to the Copa Libertadores. Well, well Copa America, not Libertadores. I was about um, to say. <laughs> most goals, most assists. Most man of the matches, like MVP of the tournament or whatever, and try and say the Euros is a more difficult competition to win. It might be in the latter stages, in the early stages, it's not. The teams Argentina have to face to beat through those rounds are probably a lot harder oppositions than we faced in the Euros. Yeah. And then to lift, well, we've seen what's happened with Barcelona this season, to then lift them to a Copa del Rey and Champions League finish last season. With that squad, and like we are seeing how bad they are now, like it's awful, yeah. terrible watching Barca at the moment. And putting up the numbers he did all at his age, um, it, it's got to be him. And look, Lewandowski can feel hard done by because there wasn't a Ballon d'Or last year, which would have been his. Yeah, it is but a shame that, no, that shouldn't so. influence the vote for this season. And I don't think it will. I don't think everything is suggesting that Messi's won it. And I, I think he will do. And by the time this has gone out, I can't imagine we're going to look stupid. I completely agree. Everything you've said, I, I, there's not really a discussion with it. It's just how on earth? And is there something wrong with the Ballon d'Or with the fact that Jorginho is even in this discussion? And I want to understand why is it that how can we not separate with individuals winning things? Like obviously Jorginho won the Champions League and he won the Euros with Italy, but he didn't single-handedly do this. When you look at Chelsea, you look at the players in the big moments, you wouldn't, when you think of that Chelsea that won the Champions League, the first name you wouldn't think of in that final throughout of it was, it was because of Jorginho. He was probably like one of the most consistent players, but... But he's not to, that to star player, about, is he? No, no, to be talked about for a Ballon d'Or, but on the Ballon d'Or, I do, it is a flawed thing. Like, it's an individual award in a team game. It doesn't, like... I'm happy that Messi's got, will get it and will have the most because he deserves it. He deserves everything he deserves. He is God, Messi yeah. for life, always. But um, like, and the voting system, it's just a bit straight. It doesn't really like add up. You've got some players, some like media coaches. Yeah. It's I, just I, how, I just, I'm it's not just convinced how, on it. Really. It's, I completely agree. But it's how, there's a, the, the biggest flaw for me is how you can compare a striker to a right back or a striker to a centre back, and how? And we we've seen like the lack of defenders that win it or goalie. Well, there is, there is I think the last defender was like in the nineties. Yeah, the, 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 obviously you've had keepers get mentioned and things like that. And you look at I think didn't Neuer a couple of years back get mentioned for it? 
I've already yeah, I think he second or third. And did Van Dyke get Van Dyke got a mention? And second. There are there are yeah. yeah so that they, they, they do get a mention, but it's you. Can, I don't think you can look at the defender and compare him because a striker, his job is to be selfish and to stand out. If the striker's yeah. doing well, then he is standing out. Whereas a defender, as you said, works in partnership. A lot of strikers now in the modern game are playing at top on their own, and I think it's a flawed system. But then you say that if the Ballon d'Or did change and we said we'd do the best defender. How then can, can you compare a centre-back to a right-back? And how wh- where does a right-back become a right-wing-back? And where does the, the, the actual the whole system is flawed, I think. It's I don't see how... Can... It as positions, more as like an individual rather than you in this positional sense. It's yeah. more like, what, what have you accomplished as an individual? Yeah. And then it's but difficult then again. That leans, How can it... that leans yeah. towards numbers, which it shouldn't necessarily, because we all know like numbers can give you so much information. But if you watch a game with your eyes, it, like it can tell you more than numbers on a piece of paper or a computer screen can. Yeah, stat padding. You can you have players across Europe who do stat pad, and I say that they get a lot of penalties and things like that. Or you've got to take into account with assists. Do they take set pieces? Is it all in open play? If you if, the more you delve into the stats, it more it tells about. But then just to an outsider, so and so scored X amount of goals, and the other one scored less. Well, that means the guy who scored the most is a better player. But I don't know. It's just I can't get my head around the system, and I don't know how it would ever change because I don't think they can change the system really, and I don't think they ever would. But no. it's been going on that long. It's like it's the most prestigious award in football for like yeah, it's, the most... it's not going to change. It's it's all very secretive as well. I was reading about it the other day. So it's it originates from like the French sports publication or whatever. And like yeah. only one person knows who the winner is up until the night. We get all these leaks and stuff, but there's only yeah. one person that has like the information. It's like the chief exec or whatever. It's a bit archaic, isn't it? Really? It's a bit odd. Yeah. It's it's just a very weird night. I usually just check Twitter the next day. It's not something I'd ever watch and keep up to date with. And I don't really, I take it with really with a pinch of salt. It's interesting to see sometimes if it's close, but majority of the time, I think you can kind of tell really early on, can't you, who's realistically yeah. going to win it. And occasionally you do get a, a player here and there with it. And you think, oh, that's a bit of an odd one. Like, was it moderate? Nedved robbed. Oh, I knew you'd get Ballon this in. Door. I knew this would come in. I knew you were going to talk about this. I've heard you talk Absolutely. about it so many times. Pavel Nedved, go and give it back to the king, the rightful owner of his Ballon d'Or. <laughs> oh, geez. I, I knew you'd find a way of getting that in. And as soon as I've written Ballon d'Or, I was thinking, if I can try and stay clear of how people have stolen it from others. And then I've just, to be honest, I've just fed it you really, haven't I? I've fixed it up for you. You've just got to tap it in. So I apologise. I apologise. I don't mean to get you started on that. But overall, really, Messi's going to win the Ballon d'Or and it's a flawed system. That's what we can take really from that conversation. It's Good not, chat. It's not, Good it's, it's chat. not exciting, is it really? Like it's hard to get excited about because I feel like I what mean, hasn't we... helped as well, it's been dominated by the same two yeah. players. And that's not, that's not a problem. Obviously, those two players have been out of this world. Messi and Ronaldo, the two of them, are on another planet. And this is not a discussion of who's better those two are unreal and I think it's not helped then because we've not really seen much change so it's difficult to get excited about because I think we probably will become more interesting in a few years time when we see these two players eventually start to slow down and fall off because then there'll be new crop coming through but then again it looks like it's going to be players like Mbappe it doesn't look Mbappe Haaland maybe Foden but it's it's maybe it might get more interesting I might be just waffling and it might never be interesting because who knows really I think when these two go, these two greats, we'll see like how lucky we've been over this 15, 20 year spell. Like, it, I don't think we'll ever see players as dominant as both of those have been again for a long time. Like, even you look at the world class players coming through, yes, Haaland and Mbappe, Foden, like they're extremely, they are world class, but will they ever produce those numbers and those titles and have those back? No, no chance. And especially Never. so early on because Ronaldo and Messi both did it for a, such a sustained yeah. amount of time. They like came onto the scene and it was fast. You don't appreciate Mbappe, when you look at Mbappe, their stats. Sorry, go on. No, you carry on, carry on. You go for it. Mbappe, you talk and slander Mbappe, nah, go I, for I it. Can, I can come back. <laughs> what I was trying to say is when you look at Messi and Ronaldo, they kind of came onto the scene and when you look back at those numbers, 
you when you actually delve deep into those numbers and you like, you see those big figures and you just expect it they're absurd and when you think about how consistent they've had to be for so long and the ages they started at these Mbappes and these new crops of talent coming through they've got to do this for another 15 16 years basically to be anywhere near and even be discussed but I can't ever see us hitting another level with two players yeah. being so dominant because I can't I have to admit I can't wait when they eventually do retire to watch all those compilations and to to look back and really appreciate it because I've always been one to not try and discuss the Messi and Ronaldo thing because I'm all I'm all for just let's just enjoy it rather than constantly arguing. I have my opinion of who I prefer, but I just want to appreciate them both because I don't think we'll get this chance. And no. I've said it to you before. I've seen Ronaldo live, and we're we're going to see Messi live because it will be my biggest regret. And I, yeah. of my life and that's not even an exaggeration because I don't know why I haven't seen him before and I need to see him play I have to see him play and that, that would kill me I would hate it if I missed him because he's been so class hasn't he for so long those Champions League nights and what he does with the ball and Ronaldo again it's brilliant to watch both the two of them have just been brilliant and I, I could get emotional talking about them because we have been extremely lucky for yeah. so long Oh yeah, I just sit back now and I just all emotional. I'm welling up properly now. Like, <laughs> go and talk about your Mbappe thing. Then you're going to talk about sorry, Mike. Go for it. Oh uh, yeah, I was just going to say like, obviously he's in the French league, and we know we spoke about the French league before and the com- the level of competition. Yeah, he's getting to that age now where you start to think he's kicking on, but he's still not putting. Even in the French league, he's still not putting up numbers like those two did early on in their careers. Yeah. And the fact right. that we Messi and Ronaldo have normalised those numbers, we don't. We we just instantly think, oh, they're not, they're not, they're not. He's not good enough. He'll never be on the level. We need to appreciate Mbappe because he's playing unreal. But I think it just then even highlights more. I think that's what you're trying to say. If I've cut you up, yeah. like how good Messi and Ronaldo are because the players now who are class and they are ridiculous will never get to their standard. They're up on a pedestal and they're just looking down on everyone. So I'll just cut you up there because I could just talk about Messi and Ronaldo. Carry on. Sorry, I'll cut you up. No, I'm done. I should be more professional than that, but it's hard to be professional when you're talking about two greats, two goats. And I usually don't like when people say goats because it says greatest of all time. But I think the two of them can just be in the goat category. And I think we need to do a tier list soon. We can do a tier list of like the world class players at the moment. Tier list is always good. It always does good views as well. For some reason, tier list, people love them. They live for it. But we'll have to do that soon with the kind of the world-class players and what defines a world-class player. But talking about world-class players, best centre-backs in the Premier League. Oh, we can't do that. We, <laughs> mate, If we do that now, that's a whole podcast in itself. I could discuss no, that. No, no, I'm not saying doing that. <sighs> mate, that's a minefield. I've tried to before and the stick I got, I'm staying clear of that topic. We can talk about that another time what? because... What, Everyone defines world. Me. I thought you said oh, what, to, what, what defines. Class. Yeah, what, no, what I defines said, world I said class? Is world class. Oh, I, I heard you just say world class. Down, I, I thought you said define world class. I was saying I cannot oh, discuss no. that. Oh, Jesus, the boys. Tommy, <laughs> I do. You know I prefer that topic. I'll, I'll just agree to that, just to make makes feel better. Jeez, I thought you were asking to have like a proper discussion then about what defines world no, class. Come no. on, oh, we'll just blame your audio. But best centre backs in the Premier League. We're still building these teams. You're allowed, we're allowed to. And if we don't agree on one of them straight away, this podcast is ending. That's well, it. We're getting aren't we? Please just say the name. Just let me hear it. Big Virgil. Oh, do you know when you said you when you went to say big then? I thought you were gonna say Ben White. I heard the B and I was like, no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but no, Virgil, Virgil Van Dyke, he, he is changed the, the art of defending. I think he's one of those players that just screams a new philosophy of football. The passing out play, the speed, the physicality, the leadership. He's just so consistent. And he, wow, what a player. I, I'm presuming you just yeah. agree with everything I've just said there. There's not much really to discuss. Yeah. No, he's, he's got it. He's, it's his position. He stands alone like a Prem centre-backs at the moment. He's just but he's probably world centre-backs at the moment. Like yeah. He's the best. Yeah, I agree. I agree right now. I think he's the world's best defender. Okay, then who are you going then as with your second defender, your second centre-back? Because there are a lot of players right now, a lot yeah. of just, they're not, they're in a category where they, they are playing very well, but I'm just interested to hear who you've said now because there's about five okay. or six players that I've written down. 
So I'm going to go for one, and I, it's probably a little bit controversial. Ooh, and I don't like it because it. it's. Oh, I don't like bigging up Chelsea. At You're not all. going che- you def I swear people are going to genuinely believe you are a Chelsea fan in disguise because you just pick. It's constant. It's just bleed blue, don't you? Thiago Silva is just unreal at defending. Like he's he's just great. Even at his yeah. age, like I had doubts when he came. I was like, no, he's far too old. He's playing in France. I was like, no chance. But he's just um, unbelievable. Like the way he dispossesses people and just walks away with the ball. It's calm. Everything he does is so calculated. Calm in possession as well, like good on the ball. You can see he's a leader. And for someone who's not like big in physical stature, he just, like all those years of experience, probably at AC and PSG, like he's just he's mastered the art of defending now. No, oh, the way he's played, like, he's so crucial to Chelsea now. Like when you notice when he's not there, that they, they don't quite look as secure at the back. No, I agree. He's a, he's a very good, but I really like him. And as you say, it's the it's how casual. It's like not. I was going. Oh, I really always struggle with this word. Not nonchal. Oh my word. Nonchalant. Not that's the word I was trying to say, and I was really. Struggle, I'm glad you saved me there. What's that nonchalant? Oh my, oh my, I'm just going to stop trying to say it. Casual. We'll just say casual. But the way he take, he does, as you said, dispossessing. He did, he never seems to be rash. Make rash. Yes, he did nah, last season, and he had moments. But this season, he's just been on another level. I I love him. And he was one of the players that I put on potentially in my category, but he didn't make the cut because I'm not a Chelsea fan, you see. So I went for Laporte. And I Ooh. think what was, oh, that's a bit left field again as well, you know. I, I thought you were going to go Diaz. No, I, I think Laporte is a better defender than Diaz, personally. I I think Diaz, oh, is that, that, that is controversial, actually. I've just... See, I'm not sitting on the fence again no, today. I'm a bit, I'm a bit with you on Diaz. Like, I'm not completely convinced by him. I don't know. I think, I think I what think we his get impact was overstated a bit when he came in. I think because Laporte was injured long term. I think he came in and he was, he was good. But everyone's, oh, he's, he's the saviour of City's defence. He's the missing link. I was like, no, they've probably, they've just had a bit of a. Laporte's been injured. Stone's had a bit of a wobbly patch, and he came in and made it solid. Like, he's yeah. not. What well, I think but the reason why class. the reason why I think Diaz is seen as better, I think it's because subconsciously, if you see the way he like throws himself at blocks and things, and the way he dives around, he throws his body on the line. Whereas John Stones and Laporte are two very good players on the ball. Where, as you said, it's this casualness and the way they're just so it's very effortless. Whereas Diaz, you can see the grit and the determination and everything he does. It's like it's for the cameras. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. The way he throws his body at things. Yeah. You see the highlight reels of him coming through after a game and he's blocked the shot, but we're watching the highlight 10 times whereas Laporte will block the shot and then pass it on. It's very casual. This guy moved, changed nationalities and was on. He, he's just unreal. He gets into a lot of squads. I need to stop saying unreal. I always say unreal about every player and I'm trying to stop myself from saying that. I need to find some new words. But Laporte, as it's, it's casual and I think... What it is, is it's left-footed as well. I think a left-footed centre-back, you don't see mm. them very often. And what he does, it, it, a lot of the attacks build from him. He's just very good on the ball and reads the game very well. He's not the fastest centre-back, but because of it, as you said, it's like Thiago Silva. Because of the way they can read the game, he just mops up quite casually. That's what I'd say personally. I don't know if you if you agree with Laporte as a potential No, champion. I really like Laporte. And you, when he went at that long-term injury... City weren't the same after that and it took them to get Diaz in to then look solid again at the back yeah no I agree with yeah. that entirely I agree uh, with that entirely yeah I just really I like him he's a very good defender yeah I think he's a, it's just a, it's just it's just a nice player to watch isn't he he's one of those players you, I, I think the best thing about a centre-back is if you don't notice them they've had a good game Whereas Diaz, you, you can't like not notice him with the way he throws his body around and the way he roughs up defenders. Whereas Laporte just does go missing because everything he does is just it's just expected. It's consistency. I'm, I hope I'm explaining myself right what I'm trying to say here. I think I'm beating around and waffling a little bit, but I know what I'm trying to say. But have you got anything else you'd like to add to this episode? Is there anything you want to say? It's been quite a casual episode here, I think. It's not been the best week and not best week of football and many topics I've hit us, but I think we've summed up everything quite well, to be fair. I've got nothing that jumps <laughs> out at me. I don't exactly. 
No, there's not much. I don't think there's anything else really you can add. And I think next week, by the time, I think with the fact that some teams will have played, are, will teams have played twice potentially by next week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With yeah mid, so we've I, got midweek fixtures. That's what we haven't oh, done. Oh, yes. Oh, there we go, actually. Merseyside Derby on Wednesday. Yes. Which doesn't look good for Everton. Because they're, <laughs> they're really, the, the Merseyside Derby is absolutely atrocious. Awful. Never do well. Never do well. I don't and think they've won in like 20 years or something at, at Anfield, definitely. But are they, but are they at, aren't they at home at this one? I've, I've uh, written down they're at home, but this could be me. But I think right now... Everton are at home. Right now, I don't think you want to be playing Liverpool. Well, you don't want to play them at any time, but the way Liverpool are playing right now, the, the, the way Alexander-Arnold just on his own, the amount of assists he's putting up as a player is just ridiculous. The whole squad looks strong at the moment with Liverpool's run and Liverpool's form. I wouldn't want to play... And I'd love to play against Everton if I was Liverpool right now. I think it's is perfect for them. And I, I don't know when Calvert-Lewin's back. Do you, do you have any idea when he's back? Not yet. Not yet. I knew he's not back yet, but I'd be really worried because there's no one to occupy Van Dijk. There's no one to even... No, it no could one's be a really, yeah, It really could be quite easy. The way that Everton have been sitting back as well. They're literally just inviting Liverpool onto them. And you don't want to be sat deep because players yeah, like Alexander-Arnold will whip yeah, the ball in no matter what. Once those full-backs, if you're deep, the full-backs are up the pitch and they've pinned you in. There's just no escape. You've got Van Dijk patrolling the halfway line, probably with Fabinho as well. There's just no escape, especially if you haven't got an out ball like Calvert-Lewin. You are just pinned in your own half. Yeah, and it's a game that it's screams just... like Thiago because then he'll be able to beat the lines and play those little passes, those little yeah. those flicky passes, not... I would be worrying. I think that could be a game where Rafa, like you talk about Rafa Benitez and the fans. Oh, the, yeah. At, at home, they'll turn on him very quickly. Very fast. This could be potentially be the final nail in the coffin where the fans just lose all hope, completely all hope. Because I think they're close to it anyway, if I'm honest, really. And I know we spoke about it quite in detail at the start, but that's going to be a great game. And I'm, ex- I'm, I'm excited for that one. It'd be interesting to see what comes out of that one. And then obviously the other game, Man United, Arsenal, your team. Are you, oh, you're away, away at United, is it? I think. Yes, at Old Trafford. Are you confident? What's your What's your feeling towards this game? If there's a time to play Man United, it's now, isn't it? You've got You've got to be confident. We, obviously, we've had the blip against Liverpool, but I think that's perfectly understandable. The form they're in. I think we've been playing well. You've got to go there a bit confident. We, especially seeing the. I don't know what this. Ralph Ragnarick, because he, he's in, it's his first game in charge. So we yeah. don't know. We have no idea what United are going to look like. Yeah, so it's, it, it's, oh, it's almost a bit of a free hit. You just get it's a chance to get to Old Trafford, have a go at them. New system. Obviously, we've got like a, a defined way of playing now. We're going to have a game plan. We're going to play out, try and get into those like Smith Rowe into those wide areas. See what happens. You've got to yeah. be confident. Yeah, because if you watch much of that Man United-Chelsea game, um, it's a lot of counter-attacks and yeah. that, that's the way they play. They sat deep. So you want to try and, as you said, get Smith-Rowe and those kind of players in those little holes and those little gaps. And I, I think it will suit you quite well, to be honest, because, because if you do get if you do get this United side that supposedly, I, I don't want to pronounce his name wrong, but the new manager who's come in, the interim manager, supposedly what I've read online, because I'm not going to pretend that I've known much about him, Really, absolutely nothing about him. So what I've read online and what I've seen, everyone's talking about this high press game that he was is built everything on. It's all about pressure. It's all about being high up the pitch and high energy. Whereas we spoke about last week, I can't see the squad being built for this. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they kind of go about it. Whether he changes his style or if he implements his style, and this this could be a great game to play in because this could be very disjointed. Players not knowing what they're supposed to be doing. So. As you said, it could probably be the best time to play them, but then it could also be the new manager bounce. So I think you've got to take yeah. this game with a pinch of salt. It's a tricky one. And obviously, we've had our flaws playing out from the back because we like insist on doing it when people press high. But it is a risk and reward. If you beat that initial press, there's so much space up the field for the players like Smith, Rowe and Saka to carry the ball, drive into space. You've got yeah. Bamiang running in behind. Like that's, 
that's what I think Arteta wants as the end goal. It's you play out, you've got the ability to play out, doesn't matter who's pressing you, and then there's gaps everywhere. So yeah, it'll be interesting no. to see if they, if they do try and press high early and see if we can beat it. But Because you will get a couple of goals because Man United look very vulnerable when they're high up the pitch. And that's the one thing I can't see it working. If you've got Maguire playing in the back four and sure, yeah. they can... And Ronaldo up front, who is, is not going to press. And I have, I have, I'm going to take one thing back. I did talk about last week about Cavani not being a great presser. And I have been told he is. And I have done a little bit of research into it. And actually Cavani... Yes, he hasn't got the legs for it, but he is quite a uh, impressive presser. That's what I'll say, an impressive presser. So I'll take that back. He would suit the system, but you saw the, the whole hoo-ha when you don't play Ronaldo. The fans get angry. Every, everyone's talking about it. But it, no, in no no position where a player should be bigger than the club. But at the moment, he seems to... I can't believe the amount of coverage it got that he didn't start. It was always going to happen, though, wasn't it? If you drop Ronaldo for the first time, in a big game as well, like, it was always, I don't know, obviously they had the big debate on Sky Sports about it, about, but like, if you carry, I just don't think you do it, just because of, look what it's done. It's it's asked so many questions, like, about Ronaldo yeah. and United. Like, I think you just keep him in there. And I was going to say, just keep, it's stress-free, isn't it? Like, really, just keep it, keep your head down. Because you know goal. he's not going to keep the job. Yeah, you know he's not going to stay in the job, so... Confused me a little bit, but that, that yeah, I didn't. It's a strange one. I know Man United to get a result, but I don't. I didn't look at that game and see that this thing everyone was going. Oh, what a great result! Yes, it was a great result, but I didn't see Chelsea anything from didn't Man United. Play very well. Yeah, I didn't see anything from Man United that made me think. Yeah, that 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 they could go somewhere. It came from a Jorginho error. It just that yeah. that was literally it. And they had one yeah. man back from a corner. Like <laughs> Jorginho tries to bring it down. One man back from a corner, which is just. Suicidal, really. And that it was like two v one instantly. Then and Jorginho, if you watch it back, what made me laugh? Why shouldn't he even be in the Ballon d'Or uh, contention? That the fact he messed up. Have you seen the footage of him just standing there? He like li- no. touches bad, and he just stands still. By the time the balls hit the back of the net, he still hasn't left that um, the semicircle. Sorry, the, the centre circle, not the semicircle. The centre circle. He still hasn't left it. His head just goes down. He just go just watches it. And that's not that's an individual player. That's not someone who plays for a team. So I. I was annoyed about that. Something like that bothers me. You've got to work for the team. But I don't know why this is Jorginho Slander. He's a good player. So I don't know why I'm giving up. I'm, giving, I'm slagging him off today and I feel bad for him. I apologise, mate, if you're listening. Shout out to you. We haven't given a shout out to anyone, so we'll just give him a shout out. Usually we're shouting out everyone. We've shouted out Tommy Asu, so fair play to that. Of course. Tommy as always. Boy. As always, you know how it is. But um, this but week... this the weekend. Tommy, Tommy Asu boy. did. Oh, yes. Uh, I, to be honest, mate, I didn't watch the Arsenal highlights. I, I didn't. Yeah. I, I saw the score. I, I don't know what it is. I don't like watching um, Newcastle. I just find the football just it's a bit it's better not, since how. Like I've watched both of those, which is what I need to get. I need to watch them. I watched them against obviously Brentford, and that was a really exciting game. But I just feel like this Steve Bruce and this whole like sad atmosphere that was created has just kind of just made me sad about watching them. They've been like last on match of the day for about three years. So I'd pro- never get a chance to stay awake for that like, final game. So they'll probably start moving up the order on match of the day. But now it should be interesting. So really big topics are going to come for next week. And I think next week we'll be fully loaded and ready. But I think we've answered everything we need to talk about. We've said everything we need to say. I'm off to this week. but I'm going to go to Southport tomorrow. And then Saturday, I'm not sure where I'm going yet. So I'm going to leave that open. Let us let me know, guys. Let me know where you fancy me going. I think I looked at crew potentially, but I'm not entirely sure yet. Are you off to any games this week? Are you playing yourself? Um, no games this week. Well, I'll be playing on Sunday. Yes, Sunday, of course, up the Razzers. Of course, exactly up the Rangers. Big game, the actually, big game. Why? What is big? What? What? Uh, I need to know. Tell me. Why is it a big game for us? Uh, playing team. One place above us, I think. A few points, a couple of points above us. Guys, we're going to be in a good mood next week because we're going to win. I've got confidence. I've got confidence in us. We had a good cup result this yeah, week, guys. first goal. <laughs> Let's, no, it's not going to happen, is it? Let's be honest. I'm not a goal scorer, guys. I just I just bring the vibes. That's all I'm there for. Just vibes. Vibes and... Yeah, vibes and uh, a Guinness after. That's, what, that's my job. Turn up, have a Guinness after. That's that's what my job is, really. Let's be honest. Can we have a 
don't mind if I diddly do, please. <laughs> is it because I just said Guinness that <laughs> same day? <clears throat> Actually, I can tell you how much it was. I think it was £3.95. So what I'd say is I go, £3.95 Guinness? Don't mind if I diddly do. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done that in front of somebody like that. Like actually looked at some of the eye and did that. I felt quite uncomfortable doing that. I don't know why I didn't like that. I hope you enjoyed that because that, that was quite uncomfortable. Yeah, it was quite good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I hope everyone enjoyed this podcast episode. If you haven't already, guys, go and check out Mike's uh, football shop. The link to it will football shirt shop. Football shirt shop. Geez, I made that really difficult. The link to that will be in the description below, guys. Go check it out. Go follow it. Some really good shirts on there. And if you haven't already, follow the podcast on whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you are, Deezer, Amazon, follow us. And if you're listening on YouTube, smash that like button and subscribe. Thank you, Mike, for coming on again. I don't know why. It's, it's just Thanks it's, to all the Bucketeers for listening. Yeah, exactly. Thanks to the Bucketeers. Shout out to all of you. And I will speak to you next week, mate. Have a good week. Up the baggies and hopefully Arsenal have a good result and we'll all be boing, happy. Boing. Exactly. Boing, boing, guys. See you next week. Look out, Sam. Over now. Goodbye. Up the baggy.